I am somewhat at a loss today. Not quite sure how to how to start this. I guess our usual way. Hello everyone. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. Glad to have you all with us. Uh, we are broadcasting live to uh, Odyssey and Facebook and YouTube. Chat's open. Comments are active. And if you want to uh, listen to this show as a podcast at some point, uh, you have a number of different players where this show is accessible, available. And I see you, Cam. Hello. Good to see you in the chat. Email address, live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. I want to talk about monsters today. The history of story we have always had monsters. You go all the way back to Greek and Roman mythology, you have the monsters, you have the the Medusas and the Cerberus, the Minotaur. We've seen in the movies Ray Harryhausen's Skeleton Army. We have the the monsters from Universal, the werewolf and Dracula, Frankenstein's monster. In the comic books, we have Doomsday. We have Parademons. We have Galactus. The kaiju coming up out of the Earth. Godzilla, Mothra, Gamera. Out-of-control robots, the Terminator, Mechagodzilla. We have artificial intelligence that goes berserk, goes awry, HAL 9000, Skynet, those kinds of things. We have giant talking gorillas. We have mutated poodles. Yeah, there have been a couple of different mutated poodles. Ang Lee's Hulk had a mutated poodle. And uh, what was that one that uh, Christopher just reviewed here not too long ago? Um, it was a horror thing with... Uh, it, had a, it had Snatchers, I think, is what it was called. It had a mutated poodle in it, too. Mutated poodles can be dangerous, folks. And then there are the aliens who are the monsters. We have the Martians from War of the Worlds. We have the Martians from Mars Attacks. You have villains who could be monsters. Palpatine, the Emperor. In some cases, you have... You know, aliens who are characterized as monsters, the Klingons, the Romulans, they're stand-ins, they're metaphors for villains here on Earth. They're the bad guys. 
<coughs> excuse me. You have the Chitari. You have the Skrulls. There are all all sorts of monsters that are out there. And those are just the ones we can see. There are other monsters that we can't see. Airborne pathogens. I mean, you look at the Andromeda strain, for example, or um, Outbreak. It's easy to see the monster when it is an other of sorts. It's easy to see the monster when we create the monster for the purpose of giving us something to fear, something to fight, something to run away from, something to misunderstand. Monsters serve as warnings sometimes. We have Cthulhu out there waiting to return. I mean, monsters give us some rather compelling stories. I mean, you look at Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's entry into horror and science fiction. But the, the monster in that particular story is not the creation. It's Victor Frankenstein. What, what about those monsters? Dr. Shrinker comes to mind. The, the, the maniacal world domination Dr. No. Ernst Stavro Blofeld. What? By Pinky in the Brain. Well, Pinky in the Brain, I don't know that they're necessarily monsters. Because they're not evil. They're inept. <laughs> the Sleestacks from Land of the Lost. Monsters. Dinosaurs. Look at Jurassic Park. Are those dinosaurs the monsters? Or is it John Hammond? A John Hammond could have perfectly benign motivations, good intentions and in all of that. But is John Hammond the monster? What about Dr. Jack Kevorkian? Is he a monster? Reverend Jim Jones. We can sit there and we can say Lex Luthor is a monster. Egomaniacal, business, genius, multi-billionaire, whatever. There are comparisons that are made between Lex Luthor and Jeff Bezos. What about Bill Gates? Is Bill Gates a monster? Some people would think would would characterize him as such. What about Dr. Anthony Fauci? Is he a monster? Some people would characterize him as such. 
Sometimes the monsters are easy to recognize. Hitler, Mussolini. Sometimes the monsters are not so recognizable. For every Jason or Michael Myers or Damien from The Omen, we have a, a Dr. Smith. And depending on which Dr. Smith you're looking at, which version, he's either inept, bumbling for comic relief, or he's a cold-blooded killer who just happened to get caught in his own trap. Monsters have been with us from the very beginning in terms of storytelling. Lucifer and the Garden of Eden. Demons. Various different paranormal beings, ghosts, goblins, ghoulies. And some of them are easy to recognize as what they are. They're monsters. And they are here to instill a certain amount of fear with the jump scares and the boo out of the corner, out of the shadows, out of the dark. But then you look at something like what happened yesterday in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And it is a painful, visceral, reminder that there are monsters among us. There are monsters who are us. The trial of Ghislaine uh, Maxwell is about to start. And I have no doubt that information will come out about certain people who have behaved monstrously now, we don't know who's on that list, and there are a lot of people who don't want you to see that list. It's easy to paint someone like a Jim Jones as a monster or a Mussolini as monster because what they've done is out there for everyone to see. The Unabomber. Who was the guy who uh, bombed Oklahoma? Tim, Tim McVeigh. Well, it's easy. Those are, the, those are the monsters. But what about the monsters who come dressed as heroes? Some monsters do wear capes. Some wear lab coats and stethoscopes. Some wear badges. And judges' robes. Some are in elected office. There are monsters among us. And I think one of the things that we forget is th that the monsters of story exist for a reason. There is, there is a purpose uh, 
behind monsters in our stories. And it's not for us to understand them. It's not for us to empathize with them. It's not for us to find them to be sympathetic characters. Monsters, villains, exist to illustrate the dichotomy between good and evil. Monsters exist to give us a recognizable bad guy. An evil to be vanquished. A foe to be defeated. Darth Vader. Medusa. The problem with that, the challenge, is that for us to accept the monster as the bad guy, we also have to accept that there is a good guy. And that requires a belief in a difference between good and evil, between right and wrong. And that's a moral compass problem. Because in this day and age, too many of us do not have a moral compass anymore. Because a moral compass requires a belief. A moral compass requires faith of some sort. We are made to believe in something. Whether we believe in God, whether we believe in ourselves, whether we believe in Buddha, we are made with a need to believe something. And for those of us who have rejected God, for those of us who have rejected any kind of morality, there's a hole there that needs to be filled. We are made to believe something. The villains, the monsters, give us a way to believe that bad versus good can be a thing. Because that framing gives us a purpose. Because we want to be the good guy. Unless you're a sociopath, and then you don't care if you're the bad guy or not. But none of us set out, really, I don't think, to be the monster. There are some people who probably do decide they're going to be the villain. But there are a lot of times where that kind of activity is driven by desperation, greed, fear. But the true monsters among us sometimes can be hard to spot. And they and they capitalize on that need to believe something. And they will provide you with that something to believe in. The state. The science. How many times have we heard over the last 
year and a half. Trust the science. Follow the science. Believe the science. It's a religion now, almost, in its sanctity and its sacrifices and creeds. Science is all about asking questions, but we're not allowed to question the science. It does become a religion for some people because people have a need to believe something. Villains and monsters give us that framing for believing that there's a difference between good and evil, and there are evil people in the world. They are among us. It's not enough that we separate and isolate our monsters in our stories. If we don't learn the lessons, then what good are our stories? What good is 1984 if nobody takes the warning to heart? What good are stories like Brave New World, Stranger in a Strange Land, Fahrenheit 451? What good are those stories if we don't learn from them? Because right now, we look at what's going on in the world. We look at what happened in Waukesha, Wisconsin yesterday. There are monsters among us. Some of them are easier to recognize than others. Some of them spout all they can about good intentions. But make no mistake, they are evil people. And they're not easy to spot a lot of times. Because they play on our emotions. We have a need. We have a craving. We have an empty hole in our soul that needs to be filled by a belief. And they know this. And especially here in the United States, you now have generations that are glomming on to Marxism and communism and atheism in numbers that I can't remember seeing this, this large in my life. Because we have to believe something. Believe the science. Trust the science. Victor Frankenstein was a scientist, and he was the monster. Dr. Shrinker is a scientist, and he was the monster. Now, they don't, they don't do this in a way that makes it obvious. I mean, Anthony Fauci is not sitting there going, he, He's not doing that. He wants to be your friend. He wants you to understand that he's doing this for your own good. He's doing this for you. Lucifer was the same way. Satan was the same way in the Garden of Eden. He goes to, he goes to Eve. He says, you know, look, it's, it's fine. It's okay. You eat this, you eat this fruit, and you're going to be just like a god. 
I'm your friend. I'm telling you this thing because God didn't tell you this. He doesn't want you to know. He wants to limit you. But it's okay. Two weeks to flatten the curve. It's okay. We'll get through this. And now here we are almost two years later. Mazurus makes a good point. They're the same people that neglect the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It, it is. Cam says they're being obvious, blatant lies, and denial of reality. Well, that's for people who are paying attention. See, and that's the other part of this, too. Is because, you know, and I talked about this a while back when we were talking about creativity. When we were talking about people who have limited their exposure to what kind of stories they read. The people who are making Star Trek and Star Wars and all these things right now, they're, they have this limited scope of what they understand to be a story. What kinds of stories? They've read Harry Potter. They've read Twilight. They haven't paid attention to Shakespeare and Homer and... Take your pick. It's that same kind of thing. Is that these people know... These villains know that they can take advantage of our ignorance. And it's the people that are pushing back on evil, wherever it may come from, whatever form it takes, the people who have learned to recognize evil are the people who are paying attention, people who are studying, people who are looking for answers. We question the science. Our lives depend on it. Our livelihoods depend on it. Our ability to protect our families depends on it. Mazurs makes a good point. Social media is infantilizing us as a species. I would agree to a certain point. Social media appeals to our baser instincts. And we have people like the Twitterati, 15, 16 years old, emotionally constipated. They have no life experience. They don't understand what is real because they have no foundation for it. Because how many, how many times have we gone through this now where the villain has to be understood I don't need an origin story for every villain that I'm supposed to boo and hiss because now you're telling me I'm not supposed to boo and hiss that villain because we need to understand where he's coming from. This is how they do it. This is how they indoctrinate us into being sympathetic towards the devil. The Rolling Stones had a song, Sympathy for the Devil. And in that, and this is, this is a, a belief in, in, a, in a few different places, where if you name the devil, you can control him. I don't know 
how accurate that is. There is a, a passage in the Bible where a man was possessed by legion. And Jesus comes in and says, who are you? And he says, we are legion. Meaning that there were more than one demon in the body of this man. And Jesus cast them out. And they went and possessed a herd of pigs that then ran into the river and drowned. Maybe there is something to it. Maybe if we, if we name our devils, we can control them better. If we identify them. But in, in the broader scope, if we understand, if we identify who the monsters are, if we study what tactics they're using, what their behavior is like, how are they doing what they're doing to us? then we can stop them. Because monsters, villains, have to be stopped. Because if the villains win, and again, this goes back to what kinds of stories we're consuming. There's a group of, of writers who are doing what they call superversive stories. Because we've had all of this time where we subvert your expectations. The subversive stuff means not necessarily the, the, the hero might win. Sometimes the hero doesn't win. Or it's a hollow win. We have to understand and recognize villains for what they are. They're warnings to us. They're cautionary characters. Because there are times, if you're paying attention, that you can find yourself acting the villain. There are times when you get so upset and so angry and so frustrated that you're ready to lash out. Sometimes maybe we do lash out. Rationally or not. You need an enemy. Or a victim. We have stories that involve and include monsters and villains in order for us to recognize when we are becoming the monster and the villains, so that when we see ourselves doing that, we can stop. I don't want to be Darth Vader. I don't want to be the villain of the piece. I don't want to be the bad guy in my story. I don't know very many people who do want to be the bad guy in their story. And I don't quite buy the notion that the villains in a lot of modern stories are the heroes of their own tale. You know, heroes in their own minds. I don't buy that very much. Sometimes. But not always. 
we have the kaiju, we have Godzilla, we have Mothra, we have King Kong, we have Mecha Godzilla, we have the Gamelons, we have the Cylons. We need to understand that there are monsters among us. Uh, Mazur says, as little kids, we were given a very good parental context to know the difference between pretend time and reality. People are too literal and don't want to come back to reality today. I, that, that's a good point. Where is the line between reality and pretend? Because how many of us on social media are actually ourselves? We, we get this anonymity even if it's us, ostensibly, if it's our name and our, and our photograph, we're still crafting a reality that may not necessarily be real. We are presenting ourselves in a certain way to the people we're connected to over on social media, whether it's Facebook or MeWe or Twitter or wherever. Now, I'll give you an example. I'll give you a for instance. When I'm doing these shows, when I'm hosting, when I am on camera and I'm either, you know, the host or the co-host of a show or if I'm a guest on somebody else's show, I'm sitting here behind this microphone in front of this camera. I'm on, quote unquote. I am using a particular skill set in broadcasting and presentation and, and, and that affects what kind of voice that I'm using, how I'm speaking, how I'm talking into this microphone, looking into the camera, all of those things. I have certain things that I do when I'm on the air that I don't necessarily do when I'm off the air. Cam, uh, I'm not hypnotizing you. I don't have the right Kryptonian lenses in my glasses for that. But, you know, it's, a, it's an idea, maybe. But Mrs. Boss has even pointed this out, that there is a difference in how I act when I'm on the air versus at home. We have to learn... And we have to make every effort to be self-analyzing. That's, that's, a, that's an awkward way to put it. Self-aware. And we need villains and monsters in our stories. And we need them to be bad guys. We need them to be understandably and obviously the bad guys of the piece. And the reason for that is to give us something of a measuring stick. Are you Luke Skywalker or are you Darth Vader? Are you King Arthur? 
or are you Morgan Le Fay? Are you Are you the hero or the villain? I cannot fathom driving my car through a crowd of people. I've seen the video from yesterday's incident. It is horrifying. And no amount of explanation will help me understand how anyone can be that I don't know the word. It's it it's it's not sociopathic, maybe. And there's a there's a a, a, a possibility there is some discussion about the, the, the possibility that he was running from some other incident that hasn't been confirmed, that's, that's alleged. We're not sure exactly what the circumstances were. And we don't know if it's connected to the Rittenhouse thing or not. I mean, that's, that's where everybody jumps to, right? Because it's only an hour from Kenosha. It's just on the other side of Milwaukee from, from Kenosha. So it's easy to make that leap. It's easy to sit there and go, well, this happened because of this happened. It's too soon to tell. We don't know. But I do find it interesting that the media has not been very forthcoming in the description of the driver of the SUV who plowed through the parade. Because he wasn't white. And I'm not saying that skin color determines hero or villain status. Certainly not. I know plenty of villains in all, all spectrums of color. I mean, it's, that doesn't have anything to do with it. But the way the media is reporting it, that's very telling. There are monsters among us, and we need to learn very quickly just as a matter of self-defense, we need to learn to recognize the monsters because the monsters are out to destroy us. The monsters are out to control us. The monsters are out to infiltrate and infect our society with a core of values that does not value life, that does not value people. You look at how the, the Chinese Communist Party treats Muslims, puts them in camps. And I saw this morning, I believe, or, or sometime yesterday, I saw a news item that, I believe it's in Austria. And that's where it starts. Little by little, piece by piece. But I think it's in Austria they're starting to set up camps for the unvaccinated. It's not enough that they lock you down under house arrest. No, no. 
And we knew. We said years ago. We predicted all of this. We we said we identified the slippery slope that we were about to journey on. And pff, ah, no, pshaw. That's just a conspiracy theory. You don't know what you're talking about. Are they conspiracy theories? Or are they accurate predictions? How many things were we warned about that we as a society just blundered through ignorantly without any kind of never you mind, we just go on. Trust the science. Believe the science. Oh, he can't be a bad guy. He's acting in our best interest. He's trying to take care of us. He's trying to do good for us. That's how it starts. Villains will use truth to tell lies. It's been that way since the very beginning. Since creation itself. Villains will use truth to tell lies. And then you have the apologists for the monsters. And I think, for the most part, I think you're going to start seeing some of the, some of the red pills being taken now because on social media we're starting to see a lot of people who are waking up to the idea that there actually are monsters in the room. And you have people in Hollywood, for example, who are, who are advocating for the monsters. A lot of people talking about Pedro Pascal and Mark Ruffalo. Pedro Pascal, of course, the star of The Mandalorian. He's come under fire before because of his post about Trump supporters, comparing them to Nazis and Confederate soldiers. And now he's out here lionizing... Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber. Mark Ruffalo doing the same thing. Anthony and Jojo. Will they be taken to task? Will they be called on the carpet? Will they be held accountable for standing up with this kind of monster? Because we know what kind of monster Joseph Rosenbaum was. After the fact, of course, yes. But Joseph Rosenbaum was a monster. Mazur says, I honestly want to believe that Pascal and Ruffalo aren't really monsters, just ignorant or appeasing people around them. That's possible. It's possible because we've heard, I mean, Kamra Pasha has even said it on this, on this channel and other places, that he's got people in Hollywood who will tell him one thing in private, and they say something completely different in public because they're afraid. They know who the monsters are. The monsters are not the Twitterati. The monsters are not the cancel culture. 
The monsters are the people like Harvey Weinstein. The monsters have power. But some of that also is we give them that power. We let them get away with the things they do. That has to stop. There are a lot of things that are going on in this country right now that can be described as monstrous. There are things going on in the world right now that can be described as monstrous. But there are also heroes in the piece. There are also good guys standing up against the villains. You may not hear about it in the media, and we know why. Fortunately, and I guess we have to take the good with the bad, social media, Twitter, Gab, Parler, MeWe, various different places, Minds, you're going to see evidence of people standing up against the monsters. People who are standing up and saying enough is enough. Melbourne. Paris, Poland, Rome. There are people who are standing up and saying enough with the monsters. The monsters cannot be allowed to win. You look at Ghostbusters Afterlife as an example. It has a monster. It has a bad guy. And it's an old-fashioned tale. You have the good guys and the bad guys. Gozer does not get an explanation. Gozer does not get an origin story. Gozer, Gozer the Gozerian, is a villain. Is evil. And must be stopped. And it's real easy... It's really, really, really easy to recognize that kind of villain. It's easy to look at Darth Vader and go, oh, that's the bad guy. It's easy to look at Emperor Palpatine. That's the bad guy. It's not so easy when the bad guy dresses in a suit and tie and says nice things reasonable things well you can't argue we want people to be healthy we want people to get past having this virus we want to fight this virus we want to defeat the virus but we're going to force you to do it our way and we can't discuss any alternatives. Oh, by the way, we're going to change the definitions of things. Oh, by the way, we're going to move the goalposts. And by the time you recognize the villain for who he is and what he is, you're in a camp. It is well past the time for us to recognize the monsters, ladies and gentlemen.
Mazers has a good point. One thing on our side, with the modern power of social media, we see more of this insidiousness than we used to be able to, and they know and they hate that. Yes, they're afraid of us. Eastland says, some like to hurt others. It gives them pleasure. Yes. And you're right, Eastland, the facts don't matter. We saw that with the Rittenhouse case. The media, for all its purported good intentions of objectivity, the media is only going to tell you what they want you to know. They are full-blown ministry of truth at this point. It's straight out of 1984. It's propaganda. It's not news. Critical thinking skills. We are in desperate need of that. Question everything, even the science. Question the news, especially about the science. It is not going to be easy, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. But the monsters are going to overplay their hand if they haven't already. I think they have. The monsters will not win if, if we stand up and draw the line in the sand and say, this far, no further. It must stop here. Don't pay attention to cancel culture. Pay attention to what you can find. Search for the truth. Ask the questions. Ask yourself, who benefits? Because we don't want the monsters to win. We don't want the monsters to benefit. They want to tell you that there's five lights. There's not. And he's like, yeah, you're right, Cam. It's, it's a matter of how much damage they're going to do in the meantime. They're going to do a lot. They're going to do a lot of damage. Those of you who, are, who were around in 1979, you'll remember how it was. It's going to be a whole lot worse than 1979. It's going to get worse before it gets better, folks. And you have to be paying attention. You need to be able to discern who the monsters are. Because they're the ones telling you there are five lights. But there's not. You have to remember, and this is where I'll close with this, like I always do, you have to remember that there are four lights going to be talking about Ghostbusters on H2O tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. Back tomorrow here, live from the bunker. Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Bye. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.